The folk singer Cat Stevens, or Yusuf Islam as he's known, has been in Australia this week to promote his tour, which will be in November and December. And fans will be delighted. Just his third visit since he took the folk music world by storm in the 1960s. 50 years does pass quickly, doesn't it? Well, Bernard Keane from Crikey is not a huge fan of Cat Stevens, it would seem. He asked this week why a murder advocate has been allowed into Australia. Well, God forbids, senior music and immigration law reporter Jeff Wood is with us now. Jeff, hello. Hi, James. I, I don't know about senior. <laughs> <laughs> the junior immigration law reporter. Yes. Is Yusuf Islam a murder advocate? What's he referring to? Well, James, this refers to comments made around 1989, which drew him into the Salman Rushdie controversy when he says he was misinterpreted as endorsing a death sentence on the writer. Uh, Yusuf Islam has repeatedly denied supporting the fatwa, saying that his comments were only a reference to blasphemy being a capital offence according to the Quran. It's an issue that hasn't gone away. It's dogged him over the last 25 years or so, and it seems to become an issue Whenever he does a tour, particularly in Australia, I think the last tour was 2010, and that's when this issue was raised by a Victorian MP. And again, this week, as you say, in Crikey. I find it sadly ironic for a much-loved musician whose most famous song is Peace Train and whose national tour in November and December is the Peace Train Tour. Well, tell me about that religious path. Where did it begin? It's a complicated one, as you'd expect, James. The son of a Greek Cypriot father and a Swedish mother, so raised in a Greek Orthodox family, but went to a Roman Catholic school in London, became a massive folk rock star in the 70s with hits like Morning Is Broken and Wild World and, of course, Peace Train. Became a bit disillusioned, started casting around for some spiritual sucker, as you do, Sufism, numerology. In fact, he was given some books in Sydney on those topics in 1974. He almost drowned off the coast of Malibu in 1975. He called on God and said, if you save me, I'll serve you. He was saved and he has served. In 1977, he converted to Islam and took the name Yusuf Islam. How did he know which God saved him? That is a good question, James. <laughs> Perhaps we'll ask him next time we get him in the studio. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, make a post-it note. Has the religious journey matched a musical journey? Well, in a sense, yes, because in the early days of his conversion, he basically gave up music. He found it incompatible with his new religious status. And as you know, music within Islam is contested. So to sort of sidestep the whole issue, he stepped out of music altogether. He gave away his musical instruments to charities and stayed musically silent until the early 2000s. When he started to come back, he had decided that there were interpretations within Islam that allowed for music. And so from the mid-2000s, really, he's come back with three albums since 2006. Now, when he was stepping back in at the early stages in the mid-2000s, he did perform in the style of the Nasheed, which is an Islamic song style. And in fact, you've got something for us in that Nasheed style. Well, exactly. It's a musical form using mainly voice or voice and percussion. Here's a track you might find familiar, done in a Nasheed style. There's out on the edge of darkness, there rides the peace train. 
That's Yusuf Islam with a new version of Peace Train. Well, it's been 28 years since he said of Salman Rushdie, rather incongruously, he must be killed, the Quran makes it clear. He says he was explaining Islam's commandment on blasphemy and he never supported the fatwa against Rushdie. Amy, do you have a view on this? Well, um, obviously my view on the Islamic teaching about blasphemy is not a supportive view. I hope that after 28 years we might be able to offer generosity to this individual who clearly isn't calling for someone to be killed. He's just expressing what a sort of standard traditional interpretation of a particular religious text is. What's the Christian penalty for blasphemy? Obviously, in the Old Testament, there was a penalty for blasphemy, but um, Jesus Christ claimed to have fulfilled the ceremonial and moral law, and he very much brings that period of Old Testament law to an end. And within Christian thinking, there's very much a sense of offering people evidence, offering people the opportunity, the choice, the decision as to whether they're going to become followers of Jesus or not. Christianity doesn't really envision itself as a political movement. And I would often say that when Christians have been in power, when there's Christendom, that's when things start to go wrong. And James, do you have a view on Cat Stevens' use of Islam? Well, I'm not an expert on uh, Quranic interpretation, nor am, am I familiar in detail with the particular case. What about I his think folk that, music? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there is a tendency in these sorts of things to take sound bites out of context. Uh, I mean, clearly it's possible to make a statement about what you know the traditional Quranic or Islamic view would be about uh, apostasy without endorsing that. The real issue should be, you know, do we think this person and all the views that they're actually espousing is a legitimate threat? I think the real issue is why are the early albums always the best, but no one... (laughs) (laughs) My kids would agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) We're with Amy Orr Ewing from the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics and James Fodor, physicist, structural biologist. Up next on God Forbid, our voice in the wilderness.